please have open that passage before you that the end of Matthew chapter 13. You'll find that on page 980 in the Bible there in the pew. Let us pray. Father God, your word speaks, uh, it gives us images uh, of, of hearts that are close to you, hearts that are hard, that are cold. They're like soil that can't take a seed because it's impenetrable. Lord, as we come this morning, we pray that none of these would be true of us. Break our hard hearts. Soften them and warm them and prepare them to hear your voice as you speak to us through your word. Amen. One of my favorite places to go for a day out, uh, to, to go and see educational exhibits, if I can put it like that, is the St. Patrick Center in Down Patrick. Anybody been there? Okay, quite a few. I, I really love the place. It's a, a very well done presentation of how St. Patrick uh, came to Ireland early in the 5th century and uh, first brought uh, faith in Jesus to these shores. When, when you do the sums there, you realize, well, if Patrick came early in the 5th century, uh, we're early in the 21st, then that's 16 centuries that Ireland has known of Jesus. This is a Jesus land. I was asking a friend recently for some help to trace the history of evangelicalism in Belfast, and he pointed me to a book, Evangelical Protestantism in Ulster Society, 1740 to 1890. And in particular, he photocopied a chapter for me, uh, Religion in the City, Evangelicalism in Belfast, 1800 to 1860. Belfast has centuries of knowledge of Jesus Christ. This is a Jesus city. Kirkpatrick Memorial formally became a congregation in the Presbyterian Church in Ireland in 1914. Now, there had already been about 21 years of uh, grassroots work done in this area by the Reverend Toland, uh, preceding the, the, the full congregational status. 1914, only a few years short of a centenary. There's been a century of Christian witness right here. This is a Jesus place. We're people, many of us, who have grown up in Ulster, in Belfast, many of us even in this place in Kirkpatrick Memorial, in a Jesus place, in a Jesus city, in a Jesus land. What a huge privilege. I think we take it for granted, and I'm sure that I do. It's been the air that we breathe to grow up in a part of the world where Jesus is known. What a, what a privilege. It should be a huge cause for celebration for us. 
But if Jesus is to be believed, then it also ought to be setting alarm bells ringing for us. This historical context in which we have grown up. Look at what Jesus says in chapter 13 of Matthew's gospel, verse 57. He's speaking about himself, and he says, only in his hometown and in his own house is a prophet without honor. Jesus says that it's the people who have grown up with him, the ones who have known about him all their lives. They might be the very ones who will fail to accept him and to trust in him. Let's have a look at the events here in Matthew's gospel that caused Jesus to say something like that. In verse 53 of the passage, we're told that he moved on from there. Everything going before that of Jesus' public ministry, the bulk of it happened in Galilee, around the lake. Jesus went there. He left Nazareth at a certain point, went to to preach round about Galilee, and he had a headquarters in a village on the northern shore, Capernaum. So now, after probably months, uh, but quite a long time away from home, Jesus leaves Capernaum, and he's going home. This is a big moment for Jesus. I can still remember in August of 1993 going down to Dublin to watch as the Zoo TV tour came to Dublin. You you two, the biggest band in the world at the time, with the best songs and the most creative stage set that had ever been seen, and they arrive in their hometown. You could have cut the sense of anticipation with a knife. It was brilliant just to be there, an evening that I won't forget in a hurry. It was the homecoming. Well, that's what's happening here. Jesus has been away. He's been making waves throughout the Galilee region. Everybody is talking about him. And now he's coming home. He's back on the streets where he had played with his friends. He's preaching in the synagogue where he had listened to children's addresses and gone out to Saturday Club. Jesus is back with the people who know him best. He's back in his hometown. And Matthew tells us that the people were amazed. They were amazed at his teaching. They were amazed at his miracles. And of course, that doesn't surprise us because every gospel writer tells you that people are always amazed by Jesus' teaching, what he says, and by his miracles, what he does. They all agree that Jesus amazed people. And the big question for them is, where did he get this power from? If you look carefully, Matthew records six questions back to back for us. That's the opening question. Where did he get his power and wisdom? And then there's a closing question at the end, which actually just repeats the first And then there are four in the middle. Isn't he the carpenter's son? Isn't isn't his mother's name Mary? Aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't his sisters all with him? Now those four questions are really all getting at the same thing. We know his mom. We know his dad. We know his brothers and we know his sisters. We know this guy. He's one of us. We grew up with him. We grew up with Jesus. 
as I was thinking about this, I think that's a very natural reaction. Whenever somebody from your community makes a name for themselves, the one thing we all want to do is identify ourselves with them. So somebody in the congregation might be saying, I went to school with Van Morrison. Or somebody else might be saying, I played football with George Best. Somebody says, I play in a band with Duke Special. Or somebody else says, I scored a hat-trick against Johnny Evans. We all, want to, we all want to reach out and make connections with those people around us who are famous. We want to say, yes, I know him. I know her. And there's no real problem, I don't think, with that. The problem in Nazareth is what, what comes next. What flows out of that sense of connection and familiarity. Matthew tells us in verse 57 that these people in Jesus' hometown, these people who knew him, took offense at him. They made the mistake of thinking that Jesus was ordinary because he was familiar to them. They allowed their familiarity with Jesus to breed contempt for Jesus. So they didn't hear his message the way other people would have. They didn't pay any real attention to his miracles uh, as people who, who didn't know Jesus might. They simply said, we know him. We know all about him. We grew up with him. There's nothing special about him. Friends, isn't this what we do in the church? We allow our familiarity or our supposed familiarity with Jesus to breed contempt. We domesticate Jesus. We think we know him. We think we know all about him, what he can do and what he can't do, what kind of people he likes and what kind of people he doesn't like. We label Jesus and we box him and we define him. We come with our, our P1 knowledge of Jesus and it limits us from seeing him as he really is. We've had some interesting chats recently in our Christianity Explored course. Each week on the course, we, we read a Bible passage together, a bit like what we're doing this morning, and we talk about it. And I'm thinking back over the, the six weeks of the course so far, and I'm thinking there's hardly a week that's gone by in our group where one or other member of the group hasn't said, you know, this is really, this is really strange. I didn't know this about Jesus. I didn't know that Jesus was like that. There's an interesting thing that goes on when grown-up people come back and have another look at the Bible. You see, what happens is, for those of us who grow up with Jesus, who hear the stories in church uh, from we're small, we think we've got it all by the time we're nine or ten. And we switch off and we think there's nothing new to learn, certainly not about Jesus. Folks, could I encourage you to think very, very differently about that? I'm thinking particularly of the, we had teenage guys joining us in church recently. They've come straight out of, of Sunday club and Bible class. And in a sense, they've been taught an awful lot about Jesus. Well, I would say to you guys, you're only beginning. The learning about who Jesus is and what he means for you really is only beginning. We need to come and to, to be 
paying attention, uh, to, be, to be ready to be surprised, to be shocked. And we'll find that there's nothing boring or predictable here. All of us, I think, whatever age we are, we need to be aware of the danger that our familiarity with Jesus would breed any contempt. Jesus wasn't naive to what was going on around him. That's why in verse 57 he says, only in, a home t- in his hometown and in his own house is a prophet without honor. The irony of this situation isn't lost in Jesus. The very people who knew him best, who, who'd f- lived their lives alongside him, the people who you thought would get it more than any others, are the people who are most resistant, who, who reject him and, and fail to accept him. I can only imagine that that was a source of real pain for Jesus. I think the rejection of, of any person was painful for Jesus. He tells us so later when he stands outside Jerusalem and, and weeps for that city. But that the people closest to him didn't respond to him. I, I think that was a, a difficult time for Jesus. Do you notice Jesus' response then to their skepticism? In verse 58, Matthew tells us, Jesus did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. This is a recurring theme throughout the Gospels. Where people don't trust in Jesus, he doesn't bring healing. Where people aren't open to his word, he doesn't stay on preaching just to irritate them. He tells his disciples, when people don't listen as you share the good news, shake the dust off your feet and move on. Folks, there's something important that we must understand about Jesus. He doesn't push in where he's not welcome. He never did. Never. Throughout his ministry, as he walked on this earth among us, as he preached and he healed, he did not force himself on people. He didn't do it then, and he doesn't do it now. If we choose to reject Jesus Christ, he he doesn't force that issue. He allows us to make these choices. I want to close this morning by thinking just for a few moments about the challenge of this, this little chunk of God's word for us here this morning. Maybe you're someone who's grown up with Jesus. You've grown up in a place like this, in a town or a city like this, in a land where, where Jesus is very much part of the air that we breathe. Folks, growing up with Jesus isn't enough. In fact, if we take God's word here this morning seriously, growing up with Jesus can be a very dangerous place to be. Familiarity can breed contempt. Folks, growing up with Jesus isn't enough. We've got to respond to Jesus. 
Each one has got to trust Him to save our unforgiven sin. Otherwise, our life on this earth is, is a living death. And eternity beyond the grave is a destiny of separation from God. Friends, we've got to recognize that Jesus is Lord of this universe. To live any other life than obeying Him and responding to Him is to live out of step with how this universe works, how it was made, what it was created for. Folks, Jesus must be our Lord and our Savior. Growing up with Jesus isn't enough. Folks, we're like the people of Nazareth. I see a lot of similarities. A lot of us have grown up with Jesus since we were knee-high to a grasshopper. But now we must respond. I'm thinking this morning as well, though, of a second category of people. Maybe you didn't grow up with Jesus. Maybe you didn't spend a lot of time in church growing up. Maybe your life wasn't surrounded by lots of people who who were able to share Jesus with you and point you to him. Maybe you've always thought of yourself as a bit of an outsider. You come to a place like this this morning and you look around and you say to yourself, well, goodness, I'm at a huge disadvantage here. Everyone else seems to know so much more about Jesus than I do. These guys have grown up with Jesus. And I haven't. Do you see the powerful message of this incident that Matthew's recorded for us here? Jesus doesn't think of privileged insiders and outsiders who are at a disadvantage. In fact, in this story, he he turns the apple cart. He says, it's the guys who think they're in the inside. It's the guys who think they know me. They may be the ones who are at a disadvantage. And if you follow through Jesus' ministry, you'll discover that he constantly and repeatedly welcomes the outsider. The guys who aren't religious enough. The guys who don't look right for polite society. The guys who don't really know much about him until they meet him and encounter him. Jesus welcomes these people always and often into his life to share with him. Folks, in the end, I read this story and it seems to me it doesn't matter. It simply doesn't matter whether we grew up with Jesus or not. Each one of us must respond. We must respond to him here and now. Whether we know him a lot or a little, we've got to move closer to Jesus. In the opening chapter of his gospel, John summarizes the ministry of Jesus, and he puts it like this. He says, Jesus came to his own people, but they didn't want him. But whoever did want him, who believed that he was who he claimed to be, 
and would do what he said. He made them their true selves, their child of God's selves. My friend this morning, don't let your familiarity with Jesus Christ breed contempt. Respond to him. Allow him to make you your true self, a daughter or a son of the living God. Let's pray. Father God, as we read a passage like this one this morning, it it strikes a deep chord within us. We know of the danger of which this passage speaks. The danger that we might feel over-familiar with your Son, the Savior, and that we might pass him by. Lord, rescue us. Wake us up from our, our blindness and our lethargy. Let us see Jesus for who he really is. And Lord, draw us to him. Lord, thank you for Jesus, the Savior of the world and the Lord of all. Help us to give him that role in our lives too. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.